Welcome to Everything Trying to Kill You, the podcast that analyzes and makes fun of horror movies just to keep from crying about them. And today we're going to talk to you about Jordan Peele's brand new movie, Us. But before we do that, I want to take this time to strongly discourage anyone who has not yet seen this movie to go watch it first and stop listening right now because we're going to spoil the shit out of this film for you otherwise and like immediately. And by we, I mean, I'm Mary Kay. I'm Mary and I just want to take this opportunity, excuse me, to discourage you for no reason. She was going to discourage you from listening. I'm just going to discourage you. Yeah. Just don't do whatever you're doing. And because our other regular host, Megan, (laughs) who would normally like jump in and have something funny to say about whatever we say, is on maternity leave because she just had a little baby. We have a lovely emergency guest on our five-timer club. five-timer. Emily Martin. I get a jacket now. Five-timer. Will you tell us about yourself? It's in the mail, girl. You know it's already out there. Um, a smoking a smoking jacket of the finest quality. So y'all, I have to say this. I am Dr. Emily now. Whoa. I have a PhD. Oh, so I'm the expert. Yeah. Um, I have a baby with me today also. So if you hear cute baby sounds, that's Ada. Or if I suddenly start talking in a baby voice, um, that's not like a, a, a voice <laughs> I'm trying out. I'm just trying to talk to my girl here. But I'm hoping that Ada will have some um, nice contributions today uh-huh. oh she just burped you hear that <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent timing. and also in case listeners are like how are they abusing this child um ada can't hear mary and me swear yeah no so. she can only hear She's me talking because i have headphones on um so she doesn't know how offended i am that she just stole my usual contribution like that's the burp <laughs> is my thing oh man i'm usually the burp. i also like to diffuse tension with flatulence <laughs> so emily tell us about your podcast okay, so i am on a podcast podcast called book squad goals um, we, you can find us at booksquadgoals.com or look us up on iTunes at hashtag booksquadgoals. I can't talk, y'all. Booksquadgoals is a very different website. That's something different. That's the porn version. Yes, that's the porn version. <laughs> Thank God you explained no. the joke. Thank God. Oh. Isn't that right, Ada? Yes, it is. Um, anyway. <laughs> And sometimes they talk about movies. They have a blog, too, and they did a blog about us, and I'm going to link it in the show notes so that anybody who's listening can also read that. I just wanted to point out that from my end, it sounded like Mary Kay said, and porn, and Emily said, yes, corn. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I just really corn like... Corn What corn. is that? Is it like a bag with like no kernels left at the bottom when it's popped? That sounds like corn porn to me. So for our icebreaker question, I wanted to ask you guys, and I know that this is not going to go well, but I wanted to ask you, what would you rather this movie have been titled? Because I don't like this title. I feel like it's too vague. Did you guys feel like it was too vague or did you have this problem? It is vague, but I think that that's kind of what he was, Jordan Peele was going for here. This is a movie that's very aware of it's horror movie predecessors. And I think that's clear throughout the movie. And I think this title is kind of a nod to that as well. Um, it's a nod to, you know, all those other ambiguous title movies like them, it, I think part of this is a play on this whole idea of like the other being what's scary. And I'm sure we're going to get into this more later. Um, but you know, most of these titles are talking about these ambiguous titles are talking about something being different than us 
and us is very clearly saying like no the the enemy isn't them it's us you know yeah i yeah i was with you mary Kay, on the whole like okay too vague too weird get out had very little clarity in its promotional materials it was clear that like a black man was going to go to a place full of white people and that would be scary and i was like well yes duh but like what the what is the rest of the premise like I know. I get that that's scary. That's scary to begin with. And then this was even more shrouded in mystery. And then the title is Us. And the previews were just like Lupita Nyong'o gracefully weeping and scissors. And I was like, I don't... I mean, I'm I'm in. I just have no idea what to expect. And so that actual line, again, this is your last out, guys. Spoilers ahead. That line where she says, um, what are you people? And she says, we're Americans. I was like, oh, it's not us, or not just us, it's US. This isn't just like a metaphor for the individual grappling with their shadow self. This is a metaphor for a culture grappling with its shadow self, with what had to suffer or die or never get a chance to be for everyone who takes for granted that they they are living this some kind of dream. Uh, like that, that that's what it is it's not just personal it's it's big 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 scale okay so nobody hated the title but me and yeah, i couldn't think of a better talk one, about so. i i did until that la- until that one line i was like i don't it, 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 i get it talk Us, about what you didn't like about the title well i couldn't think of anything better so i feel like it's shitty to criticize something if you can't improve it i don't know i just felt like it was like pretty vague when you talk about like it's horror movie connotations it makes more sense to me because it is more of like an introspective sort of looking at oneself it's introspective looking at its own genre as well throughout Mm -hmm. the movie i think we're going to come back to that repeatedly in this conversation like that that the same that one choice can be both a huge uh, a huge hit can be a like knock out of the park kind of hit and a big miss all at once so the the title yeah. like seems like a missed opportunity in so many ways and yet is such a beautiful homage and makes so much sense at others but if it doesn't work enough to get your butt into the theater to see the movie if you have to like talk this through for an hour with your buddies to come to the conclusion that the title worked and made sense then something it feels like something was missed there like something yeah, um, I mean, the trailers were, I thought, scarier than the actual than the actual movie, so I went and saw it, obviously, but... It's it's scary when I think about it, but it's not, like, viscerally scary like some other movies are. Yeah, I had the same thing, like, when I, when I was thinking about it last night, it was freaking me out, but while I was watching it, it felt more like an adventure movie. I can get with that. Now, part of it may be that, we, we've discussed this before, that when you're watching a movie with the intent of discussing it publicly and not sounding like a fucking idiot, then you watch it with a different mentality. And I, I have found that I'm not yeah. as actively scared by things. Like, even if I have a, a jump reaction to something popping into frame, I don't stay scared the same way. But I think part of the reason I may have had so much fun this time is that I'm in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. So in the entire theater, the only two white people were my high school best friend and her younger sister. So by about 25 minutes into the movie, it is like a full-on conversation with the screen the entire time. So I, it was a nice, fun communal experience where the theater wasn't so crowded that I couldn't hear or follow. And the theater had great sound, so we could all like... It, it would get dead silent. I was kind of surprised with my viewing experience, like how many how many viewers were not black because I live downtown Atlanta. Most movies I go to 
are like a diverse viewership. Anyway, I think we're going to talk about that part later, but it was quiet and I went to a matinee because it'll, I don't know, like I have, the first time I watch a movie, if people talk through it, I'm like, you ruined the experience for me. Like I cannot enjoy this because I'm listening to you. Right, right, right. Like I I just don't have, and I think part of that is like my teacher training where I'm trying to hear everyone and everything. Mm -hmm. It's right. really annoying. But that's why I went to a matinee, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't have to worry about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I still felt like people responding with me, like, even if they weren't talking, talking, mm-hmm. which was cool. I got to enjoy a little bit more of the, like, fun, scary, because the energy in the room was so heightened, while still being yeah. ac- academic-minded about it. So I had, a, I had a pretty scary time. More so when I was on my brother's couch alone after he and his wife went to bed. And there were just windows everywhere. Right. And I was like, but they're going to be here now. There's a family in your driveway. Yeah. That was the scariest part to me. The scariest line was, there's a family in our driveway. Also, that's such a little kid thing to say, right? Like, to know that's a family. Yeah. Like, to assume that's a family. Yeah. Like, just the four individuals standing together holding hands. That's a family. Yeah, like the which decal. Which is part of what's creepy window. about it. Yeah, it mirrors it. Yeah. It's part of what's creepy yeah, about it. Yeah, I didn't notice that until... Uh, Mary from my podcast actually pointed that out when we were recording and I was like oh man and there's actually a lot of like stick figure stuff going on throughout yeah. that's mm-hmm. kind of interesting there's a lot of cool homage in this movie that is oh, very yeah. understated but like there if you know to look for it so that's mm-hmm. pretty cool but let's talk about can we do big concepts and then go smaller yeah I feel like we have to do that otherwise we're going to be like all over the place. Also, my only goal in this episode is to have one original thought about this movie. And that's why we had to do it right away. Because, you know, <laughs> otherwise it's like with a, with a Jordan Peele movie, right? It's like, oh, yeah. someone said this and someone said this and all of the good shit gets gobbled up. Mm-hmm. Not this time, motherfuckers. Well, I am going to preface this by saying I do have an Internet theory that I want us to talk about that didn't come from me. Um, but other than that. All of these opinions are my own. Okay. Yeah. Just give it give it credit when we get there. We will. I Perfect. will. That way. Maybe, so and, I, and we can link it, too, so that yeah, we're not we'll plagiarizing or whatever. Yes. What is the very biggest concept? Where must we start, Mary Kay? Well, I don't know if it's the biggest, because we have a lot of big concepts that work together, which is very cool and very hard to do. The sheer hubris of this outline is worth listening to the episode alone because if we fail, it will still be astonishing. But if we succeed, by God, if we succeed. It's so long that <laughs> I don't know if we're going to have time to be funny, but I'm going to do my fucking damnedest. Number one, the tethered. The concept of the tethered, which are basically the cloned and yet somehow attached physically versions of everyone who lives above ground and they're in these abandoned tunnels underground and it was a government experiment as then that's pretty much all we know and that's i think even like maybe a little more than we need to know but we're cool with that concept it comes from um freud's doppelganger theory i mean he's the one who wrote it down obviously he didn't make it up he didn't really make anything up but it's straight from his text the uncanny i'm sure that you guys know this but Real quick, it's your twin that you meet and one of you have to fight and only one of you can live. So really cool appropriation of that concept to uh, clones from the 1980s and 90s. Do you guys remember this? Like the news, just like everybody being up in arms about like clones and their soullessness. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like when they were cloning Dolly the lamb and stuff. Yes. And that's all I could think of the whole time. Yeah, for sure. And I remember like being... 
being in my house, like when I was a kid and being like, I don't get why they wouldn't have a soul. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't make any sense for a person who, or like, I mean, and you know, they're talking like conceptually about human clones that wouldn't have souls. And I was like, that doesn't, why wouldn't, why not? Like, I don't, I didn't understand like the science that would exclude well, I think the that, and I think spirituality, so that, you know? Right. There's definitely a sense that like, that if life comes from man and not God, like a soul comes from God. So if we could yeah. make it, if we could make it in a dish, in a tube, in a cell somewhere, then it can't be real life. And we are then entitled to so treat it. So it's a Frankenstein We are concept. entitled to treat it the way we want. Exactly. Um, so I so, think that that's... And we all learned from Frankenstein that that's wrong because Frank, Frankenstein's monster did have a soul. He had, he had something. Like, he had... That's the thing. Like, that's... that's a, I think that's a whole, like, other version scary thing is if you don't have a soul but you have something else, what is the something else you could possibly have? Right. And then the other thing that's difficult about that is like, if we don't have a soul, that means that there's nobody like in charge taking care of us somewhere, probably. Yeah, we don't. Which kind of. We're not accountable to anything. We are not a product of any, like, what, what are you? What are you people? Kind of of links to the um, Jeremiah 11, 11. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. So basically, it says like, you know, a bunch of terrible things that you can't escape are going to happen. And I'm not going to do anything to help you. Right. But even though you ask for help. Do you know why those things happen in Jeremiah? No. Tell us. There is the promise. There is the promise of, of, of bounty. And the people become essentially soulless, like that they revert to these pagan or godless or self-involved ignorant ways. And that's why, that's why there will be a reckoning of this scope. So how do you think that applies? Well, that is very in keeping. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Also, it's important to know as we talk about souls or soullessness, that Red makes it a point to say that they don't have different souls. They're both human they're sharing one. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool inverse soulmate concept, which makes uh, the doppelgangers thing really even more scary because you're fighting for the soul that you share. Yeah, yeah. I spent I spent the the weekend at a big, beautiful, it was my high school best friend's wedding, big, beautiful Catholic wedding. And I was like, man, I don't know if this is ever happening for me. Is there somebody out there? And then I went and saw us and was like, well, that's probably more likely. <laughs> there is somebody out there. <laughs> She's out there. I'm just not going to like it at fucking all. The the sharing a soul, that I was really like twisting and turning with last night. What does that mean? How does that work? And if they share a soul, maybe once they meet, one of them has to die, per Freud. Maybe once they meet, one of them has to die because they're all trying to murder each other. But what happens when the other one's gone? Like these, these um, tethered, once they come up, they can't talk it took how much organization to get them to stand in a line and hold hands what kind of life will they have like they they deserve sun or or air and 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 freedom as much as anyone what kind of life will they actually have now and for the topsiders once you find out about the tethered what kind of life can you possibly have like even if you kill off your tethered and you're physically safe how can you ever be okay again 
Well, part I think part of it is like uh, your nature versus nurture. Like if you raise a child to be feral, or like a, a bit by that I mean like basically not raise mm-hmm. a child. Yeah. Then that's kind of what it looks like. It doesn't make them soulless. It just means like it's like a lack of civilization. And I think the only reason that Red can talk is because she used to be Adelaide. She, yeah, she she always could. She's the only one. She's the only one that talks the whole time. But don't you think that they had language? They could communicate yeah. with each other. Yes, but it also was not clear. But like a very primitive, animalistic kind, and not it, like a. It also was not clear that they could communicate outside of family units. So Red's family could talk to each other, but I don't know that they could talk to two tethered outside of their unit, like with their shared language. It's more like whale pods than humans, where it's like so hyper specific. And also so much of their communication is nonverbal. Yeah. I also really liked that this was a family unit movie Mm -hmm. where they work together. I feel like most of the time, I mean... God, our last, like, three episodes were about Stephen King movies, and it was all about, like, one person thinking they knew best for the family. And in this one, it's like, even the bad guys have a family unit. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, like, even they are like, my family is the most important thing. Yeah. So, I liked that. I feel like that's really uncommon in horror movies, too. Oh, yeah. That, uh, that moment where Red, like, is weeping as she says that she gave birth to a monster... Fucking Lupita Nyong'o, man. Dear fucking God. There's no question in my mind that Red is not just weeping because she didn't get to have a beautiful daughter, as she describes Adelaide having. She is weeping because even the, she loves the monster she had. Like, there's no right. there's no yeah. helping it. There's no getting around it. She knows that that is a monster, not just mm-hmm. because she is formerly Adelaide, but also because, you know, she's clearly a pretty intelligent being like that's a monster and yet that is my monster and i love it then i had this dog that plays with fire love it too love it a bunch don't fuck with it like the like the complexity of that like in high part of the reason i wanted to see it again today was that i was like god okay knowing the twist at the end now i want to watch it all again because i can already remember breadcrumbs 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 that I wanna... Yeah, I was going to say, it wasn't very much of a twist for me. Mm-mm. Did you guys... Pre- you, I'm sure you predicted it too, right? Yeah. Oh, my, well, we sure that, yeah, my best friend was like, well, that was coming to. the whole time. Yeah, or, Yeah, I think so too. I don't think it's like poorly executed. I think it's like we're waiting for confirmation on that. Yeah, the, the right, question... Right, we're supposed to be suspicious the whole time. Right, the question has always been there. Like, from the moment she turns around in the fun house, that, that question is there which is another fucking scary thing i'm sorry at, at baby adelaide's age you could not have paid me to walk into that building i would have bitten you to death first oh my god and yeah and i just i love that scene that whole the setup though like the i guess it's not really a frame story it's like a flashback where mm. we have little adelaide with like her mom and dad at the circus and it's such a mom thing to do to be like pay attention to her and her dad go I am. And him not do it. Well, also, as he's, like, actively looking away from her, the thing is, neither of them look at her very much. The triangulation of that... No, 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 she's walking behind them. I was like, grab a hand, motherfucker. The the triangulation of that sequence... Get in the game. They are all, like, they're... It's so... It's such beautiful framing, beautiful blocking, beautifully shot. They are all equidistant from each other. And any effort one of them makes to reach the other sends the whole triangle recoiling. It's 
fucking fantastic, which is so, so opposite to the imagery we get the rest of the time with everyone in a line holding hands. When you watch it again, guys. That's look, cool. I didn't think about that. Look at the wow. art, Look at the artwork in the Wilson's Beach House. Over and over, virtually every piece of art on their walls somehow involves people in lines or holding hands or linked arms. And especially like splitting it up into pairs. Like for at one like when um Jason goes to the bathroom at the beach, there's a set of three porta potties, but he comes out of the set of two. Like there's that that Ooh, kind of Oh, I didn't know that. I wanna go back to speaking of like repetitions, the circus house of mirrors. Yeah, like Mary said, like there I would not have gone into that thing. Definitely not by myself, definitely not at nighttime. I think that's interesting in horror movies, little kids are always doing shit that I was like, there's no way I'd be too scared to do that. But yeah. for some reason kids in movies are fearless. Well, I would have done it if my dad had been outside and said, It's fine, go inside. I would never have wandered off from my dad. Ever. No. Ever. I would have been way too scared and too separation anxiety. But I do really identify with the um, image of your hot dad winning you prizes at the fair. (laughs) And I I just feel like, I know I'm like, while we're talking about Freudian shit, I'm just going to go ahead and run on to my sword here and be like, yes, that was me as a kid. Like, yep, I want the Thriller t-shirt. Thank you. Please and thank you. Can you also just drop this hammer on this huge weight? I'll have that unicorn. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Like, I just love that that was like her birthday present was like her dad going to the fair and winning her prizes. Like, she didn't even do anything at the fair. Like, he's the one playing all the games. I I would have been on the roller coaster with my dad. That seems more likely. He used to like... Like, encourage me to, like, stand on my tiptoes subtly and, like, be, like, real creepy about trying to be tall enough to go on the ride so that we could go on roller coasters and stuff together. That was more our our variation of the thing. Yeah. I wouldn't... I still don't like roller coasters. I just don't like falling. I, I love roller coasters. We'll go together sometime, Emily. I, I think my, it's really a polarizing thing. Like, you love them yeah. or you hate uh-huh. them. Okay. Uh, I tried for a long time to make myself the, like them. Underneath, like, on pretend roller coasters all the time. No. <laughs> Do you guys remember that scene? That was kind of creepy. It was scary for me more as, like, an adult now. Most of the stuff for me that was scary was because it reminded me of my childhood. Mm-hmm. Like, the nostalgia of going to the fair and being, like, instantly overstimulated. Like, so, like, overworked that I could not eat the candy apple in my hand. Right. You know? Like, I loved it. And I just wanted to observe everything. And it was just, it was a lot. And then there was, like, the people being gross in the corners and stuff and it was still just such a delight and also I can hardly remember any of it because it's so bright and loud Mm -hmm. but um when they're in the child psychologist's office and Adelaide's mom says I just want my little girl back that's the like we have that in the very beginning and I was like oh so she switched like that was under the whole time Mm -hmm. but I just remember hearing that line and being like Number one, she switched. Number two, how does that make Adelaide, who's waiting just outside, feel to hear that? You know? Yeah. Like, that sucks. Well, it makes sense to me then. And then the dad comes out, and he's, like, trying to play with her, and then she just is having none of it. Well, that made sense to me. I'd been trying to figure out why the silence as an outcome of her PTSD seemed like it had to have some kind of meaning or metaphor. Like, there had to be a reason it was silent and not some other behavior. It took me, a, like, once that reveal was confirmed at the end, I was like, okay, so she wasn't talking because she didn't know how. 
that makes sense then. Because um, <clears throat> I was like, you know, it's not that clearly like language or talking or communication and stuff like it's that is a theme throughout but in part it's a theme because Adelaide herself throughout has been like we don't like has been kind of like suppressing conversation and in part because the the tethered don't use language to communicate except for red and I was like okay then that makes sense that's how and we you can got tell there. she's been she's super out of practice because that's why her voice sounds like that her voice sounds really strange and also like the her choice of words her choice of phrasing yeah. is all like you know, a little kid is an adult now and had no one to keep showing her how to sound like a grown up. Right. Yeah. So it was a, I definitely found the, I was grateful for the, like the amount of confirmation we had at the end. Cause then I was like, okay, if you had left that super ambiguous, I would have been like, okay, I, this is just getting a little frustrating. Like I need to know a little something. I just need to know what the rules are. So I can tell if I'm even following the fucking story. Yeah, I liked that. Although we, the concept wasn't super. Or the um, what is the the term that I always use that you guys hate? Convention. Um, I don't the hate convention. it. Convention. Um, I'm, I'm a theater the student. I love like the word convention. Established enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it was clear enough established where we could follow it, but it wasn't. Uh, the details were left a little bit ambiguous, and I liked that. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and again. Story-wise, it makes sense. This is all what Adelaide slash Red has pieced together based on the fact that she didn't grow up in this misery. Not completely. So what can she discern? What makes sense? Yeah. Um, Yeah, you had some other stuff that made it scary for you. One thing that, like, kind of surface-level scary was that... So with Get Out, I definitely felt like this is all terrifying. But, you know, if I just don't go to this house, it won't happen to me. Don't go to rich white neighborhoods and you'll be fine. Yeah. Well, the, you know? the, no fear of that. I'm not being invited. So um, no. so this is different in that it, it could happen at any time. And with that little disclaimer at the beginning, remember when we talked about the witch, we talked about how at the end they're like, oh, this is all real. Like this came from people's diaries and shit. Like this right. is real. And that was very scary to get through this whole movie and think like, cool, good horror movie. Oh, wait, what? And here, to plant it at the beginning, is just kind of the inverse version of the tactic. So you get to the whole movie, and you, when you walk out of the theater, at some point later in the evening, it's going to recur to you that, wait, the tunnels are actually here. Like, they're under me now. Right. They're like, everywhere. And, and they very, they point out, like, we don't know what some of those tunnels are used for. Like, that's real. Yeah. So that was, that was more, like, surface-level scary to me. Like I said, sitting in my brother's living room. Just trying to chill and watch the guild, and I'm like, man, is Lupita Nyong'o going to be in my driveway? Because like that could be cool, but also not. Um, speaking of Lupita, I feel like she is one of the most graceful women I've ever seen in my life. Thank you for casting. Like, it always annoys me when like there are actors or actresses that have to run in a movie, and they can't really run. Like, they don't really know. They don't look like they're a runner. She took the fuck off when Jason yeah. goes missing. Yeah. I was like, oh, damn, she is running for real. And I know that we're not supposed to make generalizations about nationalities, but I'm pretty sure she's Kenyan, right? She was born in Mexico, but her parents are Kenyan. I know that we're not supposed to be like, oh, all Kenyans can run. Okay, that's probably not true, but she runs like a runner. And she dances beautifully. Yeah. I mean, the little girl they cast as her. Yeah. And... The little girl they cast as her, and I know I mentioned this in my blog post, but, like, I was mesmerized by her. Fantastic. Um, Her name is Madison Curry. I think this is the first role she's ever played, like, movie role. 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what she's done as far as like school theater or whatever, you know. But uh, um, I just thought, you know, that little girl had to be so many different things. Um, and most yeah. of most of it is just through facial expressions. I don't know. Does she have like any lines? I don't know. Not very many. Like she says, I, I want at number car- 11 when she's talking about the shirt. Yeah. I was going to say at the carnival. Yeah, she does. But yeah. very, very but, I mean, briefly. Mostly, like, what we know about her character, what what she's feeling, what she's going through, all facial expressions. And she's doing the same work that Lupita Nyong'o is doing, playing two very different characters, one who is very frightened and one who is kind of, like, realizing that this is her opportunity to, like, break free and be more, you know, and it's very terrifying. So she is, like, adorable and terrifying at the same time. Could not have been more impressed with the casting. And, you know, when it comes to directing, that's... Film obviously has a lot of components, but casting is full on half your battle. Once you've got a script that you're actually excited about, that you want to work with, just putting the right people in the right places to do the cool stuff, truly half of it, because it doesn't matter how cool your shots are if they're going to be shitty in them. And it also, like, as much as you might want to do cool shots, if they're doing great work, even if the shot itself is not astonishing, if if the framing, the, the cinematography is not astonishing, if they're doing great work, you can still tell a great story. He gave Lapita, uh, Jordan Peele gave Lapita like a list of films to to watch his research for. Everyone had a list of films to research, but he she had some specific instructions on horror heroines and villainesses to watch for inspiration. And the one that surprised me the most when I was first reading this information, you know, several months ago, and then was not surprising at all once I actually saw the movie was uh, Tippy Hedren and the Birds. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. As I was reading it, I was like, what the fuck is possibly going to happen in this movie? That she needs to go full birds on it. Like, what is going on? And then watching it, I was like, oh, there it is. Like, there it is. I I, I see it. I don't, I don't even know if I can put my fingers on it yet. Like, I'd have to watch it, like, three more times. But Yeah, and that's one of the tricks, I think, about doing this episode so in such quick succession for the movie's release is, like, all of us have only seen this once. Yeah. So yeah, we're pulling I, off a lot of our memory. I definitely feel like uh, this is a movie that could benefit from a rewatch. Kind of the the first one, the first watch is kind of to just like enjoy the story and yeah. be surprised. And the second one is to be like, okay, now I know what this movie is about. Let me see what I can like notice about that. I had like two really, well technically three really strong responses to the character of Adelaide. Um, the first one that like, got my attention, I mean, obviously we're paying attention to her the whole time, but you know how you like will hear a line and be like, ooh, that's something else. Like, I'm going to need to remember that for later. Um, when, when she's talking to Jason after he disappears, she goes in to tell him goodnight, and he says you thought I was dead. And she goes, no, I thought someone took you. Mm-hmm. Which, like, that's way worse to her because that's what happened to her. Yeah. Well, that, that's what so, she did to somebody else. But when she starts acting weird to me was the monologue of when she's talking to Gabe, but she's staring out the window and her voice changes. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it breaks a little bit. Or at least you think it's breaking, but then you hear Red talk and it's like, oh, no, that's just that character coming out. Yeah. So, um... And she's closed all of the windows except for that one. And also, you can kind of see her reflection in it, too. Well, well it happens, pretty cool. weirdly, is that there are reflections constantly throughout the movie. That's another theme, right? Yeah. And it's that same kind mm-hmm. of, like, mirroring, repeating thing. 
what stood out to me so much when she started talking, I was like, oh, she's not going to turn around and we can't see her at all. Her face was completely gone. There was no reflection for the first half, at least, of that monologue. Yeah. All you had was her voice. It is important that we can't see her face right now. And I don't know yet. I don't yet know why. I don't know what has to be hidden or what she is, what would give her uh, away, what she'd be giving away if we could see her. But yeah, her face, for once, we could not only not see her face, we couldn't even see her reflection. And a lot of the time we can see both the character and their reflection somewhere. What were the other parts that you wanted to talk about, about her being like off? These are things that are supposed to, I mean, I think like we've talked about, we're supposed to, um, if not like, quote unquote, like know for sure, we're supposed to be wondering which one is she throughout the movie, I think. Um, one of the ones that stuck out to me was when the family is all sitting around, they look like they're eating like fried chicken or some sort of like fast food. She's eating strawberries. Yeah. And I took that to be like, well, you know, if all she's eaten or all she ate as a child was like raw rabbit meat, she's probably not like super into meat anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, or like is more interested in eating like fresh food. Yeah. And then I don't know what to make. Like, there was a big point made of the fact that she wasn't drinking any wine or yeah. any alcohol. I'm not sure what to make of that, but it, I think we're clearly supposed to see that as, like, a okay, like, th- there's something weird about her um, mm-hmm. wanting to. Only, like, I, I drink took water. it, yeah, like, in the moment, I took it as um, she's paranoid, like, she can't relax and she doesn't really want yeah. to. But yeah, and I then, think, like, in retrospect, there's supposed to be more to it. You're right. Yeah, and at the moment, I took it as her being paranoid. In hindsight, I was like, oh, she can't afford to to let her guard down at all. Like, she can't drink something that's mm-hmm. going to put her in any danger of revealing herself at any point. And then, obviously, the other thing is, like, she straight up says, like, I can't. Sometimes I find it difficult to talk. And isn't she the one in the... Um, car too that says like it's okay to just like not talk sometimes nope nope that's the dad mm-hmm. that's the dad oh, that's the dad Ooh. oh so he's enabling it yeah well, i think i think rather that maybe that was part of his attraction to her was that if he appreciates that kind of like peaceful silence she's good at that but no yeah he's the one that says it. we don't always have to talk but that's definitely like pointed out several times as like sometimes like talking is difficult for her yeah um, yeah she's quite awkward and then like i read something on like it was some article and i can't i don't know i'm sorry i'm not going to be able to credit it but somebody mentioned that she was like snapping off beat to the song but i think that wasn't on accident i don't think that was on purpose well she's snapping (laughs) on the upbeat yeah no no, she's she's snapping on the and instead of the one yeah actually very weird i thought it was flipped i thought it was flipped because i when i was like so there was a lot of chatter about this during the when the preview came out when the when the the um trailer came out the thing is the trailer i think was just like kind of awkwardly timed in the movie i did yeah. not feel like she like she was on beat i felt like she was on beat because i was like oh if it's like i know of a song if i were to go to start moving to it my snap would be on the upbeat da, da, ta, da, 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 ta. like i'm looking for the syncopation because that's what works with the song and she is like one two three four one to and that's why it feels that's why it feels awkward because it's a fucking rap song and she's on the downbeat is what it felt like to me but again i was saying like we've all only seen this once so feel free to inform us via twitter that we are terribly wrong and it is neither the up or the net or the downbeat and um you know we're just like bad at music and like you'll also be wrong we'll all be wrong it'll be fun 
Well, what you said earlier about being syncopated is correct. She's not off the tempo. She's just not on the beat. It's totally a dancer thing to do. And that's probably why you didn't notice that it was like, or a musician thing to do, um, why it was not exactly the way that someone else would count it. But I definitely noticed it when she was doing it because, I don't know, it's just in me. It feels awkward. Something is up. It feels It's awkward because she's ahead. She's on the upbeat, yeah. Um, But anyway, um, I did notice that, and I also thought that one of the... I did think that one of the coolest things to see on screen was uh, the the dance scene when Adelaide starts winning. Yeah, that was beautiful. Um, And I know we're going to talk about that. Oh, my God. Should we just go ahead and talk about that scene now? Yep. Yeah. Because I don't know if I can hold it in very much longer. Um, it is one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen on screen. Um, the The choreography was flawless. The The cinematography was perfect for that. Um, I don't think that... I, I think we that Emily's podcast talked about Suspiria. We didn't do it. That choreography was really great, but it was... You could tell, like, the, the person editing the scenes together was not a dancer because we weren't watching the things we were supposed to be watching it was kind of I mean I think maybe that was part of the point but it didn't work for me because of that in this one I felt exactly the opposite because they're coming up the hall and Adelaide is trying her hardest to kill Red and Red just anticipates every blow and just casually like it's she's so casual right like just stepping aside Mm-hmm. Like just moving her head out of the way. And it is just, it's brilliant um, acting. And you know that when they were shooting it, there was no one else there. Yeah. Like it was just her the whole time. So I just thought that was really cool. It was and stunning. I, it makes me wish that Megan was on this episode because she would have oh, so much more to say about it. Um, also, I, I also wanna... loved that it is this song. I was going to say, that song is so too. important, so important because, so first of all, when they're like, it's about drugs, and he's like, no, it's not, don't do drugs, it is, and secondly, it's about being half in on a dime bag. Yeah. So it's, I got five on it because yep. somebody else has the other five. You are only half of the thing. Yep. Um, yep. Not only is it, like, yep. aesthetically perfect, like, not only is it, it beautiful and tense and works beautifully for... Yeah. Visually, what needs to happen here, where this is both ballet and deconstructed ballet and and brutal fighting all at once, um, metaphorically, it works beautifully. Exactly that. Yep. <laughs> um, we did it. And High that five. was also my first. <laughs> that was also my first clue that, or not my first clue, but that's like when I realized no, they switched because then Adelaide starts winning, and it's like you shouldn't be able to anticipate her moves. Like, you've not been following her your whole life, except for that she did the first part of it. So I thought that was pretty awesome. And I also, I remember in the trailers and then watching it later, the Red's movement, like when she runs, when she walks, it's very strange. And I couldn't figure out, like, that was what made the trailer so scary to me is that they didn't it was uncanny I mean that in the most literal sense like not only is it your doppelganger it moves almost like you would almost so we've been Um, talking about this like and this is because she's a dancer like that's how dancers run is they run like this on or off beat thing like a red sorry 
Yeah. No, yeah. It's the, you talk about this like on or off beat thing. All that, that fluidity that we see in Adelaide, all of that grace, and then Red's version has become regimented. Yeah. It's it's not that she she has incredible facility with her movement, clearly. But everything is yeah. really precise. Everything is... It's like she's moving to a metronome at all times. And mm-hmm. that's when you see what she accomplished with the, with the tethered. That makes sense. She became yeah. the dance mistress. Yeah. Of the entire tethered. It's... It's also very cool, too, because you'll hear um, dance instructors who, like, really know what they're doing and perform for a live audience with live music instead of canned. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to be on the back end of the beat because by the time the music reaches the audience, you're on time. And mm-hmm. if they're sitting really close, you want it to look like the music made your leg fly. Right. Like you're playing the music on your body. And so it's very cool that Red is so stilted. And it's very cool that they have her snapping ahead of the beat. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know. I mean, like you could do it just the opposite and it would be just as cool. But it's very intentional. And maybe I'm misreading it. But I'm sure you guys will let us know if we're wrong or if I'm wrong. No, I, I, I definitely have that feeling. I mean, I was just I was trying to explain this whole behind or ahead of the beat thing. So my brother plays drums, so he understands a lot of this very intuitively. But you know, he hasn't had a ton of training. Like he took some lessons for a while, and he just—he was a very talented guy, so he got a lot farther than his lessons should have taken him. So I was trying to explain this to him. We were watching Black Panther, and I was saying like African music tends to be just in front of, right? That's why so, it's so hard for Western dancers to do it. So fucking hard because you can't even like yeah. It's so hard to, to understand what's happening, let alone to, to do it and keep up. And um, so we're watching it. So that first moment for all of you guys, we're going to talk about Black Panther a fucking again. I know you're fine. And um, that moment where the their little they're they're playing like breaks through the clouds, and it goes into the theme with the big and the horns, but it's very like just in front of the beat. Ba da da ba da da ba da da. But it's not like I'm singing it straight because I can't do it. It's not straight. It's just in front of the beat. And I was like, oh, I don't know who this very nice Swedish man is who composed this music, but well done, (laughs) sir. Well done. That is exactly the thing that I cannot fucking get my hands to fucking do when I'm drumming. Well done. (laughs) Um, It's cool. I mean, I do mostly Middle Eastern dance and a little bit of percussion, but just like on Zills. But all of it is on the back end. So like mm -hmm. adjusting when we were doing West African music, Mm -hmm. I was like, I... I'm never going to solo, never, because it's going to turn out like a Doombeck rhythm instead of instead of a djembe rhythm, which it is, because that's what's in me. So anyway, we can get back on uh, we, anytime there's music or percussion or dance involved in a movie like we could just go ahead and plan to we're, go there. We're going to work. But well, that's but the thing is, it also yeah. it also feeds into how red then executes her hands slash scissors across America. That that kind of regimented mindset, that really like kind of percussive on the beat, like that that really dancerly, like it's drills. They're in they're in matching yeah. uniforms. Like they're wearing the same color tights and the same color shoes. Like, you know, like 
they're wearing their yeah. Why are they jumpsuits. wearing sandals? That was so creepy to me. I could not sandals. understand that. I could not understand that. I think it's because they've never been topside, and I don't know how uncomfortable sand is. Listeners, no? if you know why they were wearing sandals, please let us know because I couldn't. Is it like a Christ metaphor? Like they're like sacrificed for the greater? Hey. Is it that they're, like, sacrificed for the greater good, so, like, they wear sandals like Jesus? Because I wear sandals, but I don't, that doesn't seem accurate. Well, I did have biblical interpretations of Gabriel and Abraham. Mm. Um, yeah, so Gabe, or Ga- uh, Gabriel, obviously, I think he blows the horn at the end of the world. I'm pretty sure that's him. He's the archangel who does that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and Abraham, as you guys know, Father Abraham had many sons. Um, he had um, Isaac and Ishmael. Mm-hmm. Isaac was his child by his elderly wife, which was a miracle. Ishmael was his son by his handmaid, Hagar. Mm-hmm. Or I'm probably saying it wrong, but that's the way I learned it. Um, and... Ishmael just kind of falls off the books once he has Isaac. So um, I would have named that character Ishmael, but it's a little on the nose. And I think more than Bible, it references Moby Dick now. But I liked that because he's the, the, the father and he has two families. And one of them gets all of it and one of them gets none of it. So I really liked none of these names were accidental. Like they're all very intentional and I liked that a lot. And I liked his took me the longest to like unravel. But I don't know. I just really appreciate it when there's like writing Easter eggs in there for me. Can I tell you guys a story about dads and baseball bats? Mm-hmm. Just because we've been talk- we've been doing really good by analyzing and we haven't had any jokes yet. No so, jokes. Um, I want to tell you guys a story because um, my dad played professional baseball and when he was with my mom they lived in like this little shitty apartment on the railroad tracks and I was really little so I barely remember it but my mom said one day a rat ran over her hair like when she was asleep you know you put your hair up over the pillow if you don't wrap it up she said a rat ran over her hair and she was like oh we're moving like we're moving right now and my dad was like no we're not And she was like, yes, we are. And then there was another rat, and it was in my room. This is my dad telling this story. And uh, my mom was in there with me, and he made us both stand on the bed and stood outside of the bed waiting for the rat to run out with a baseball bat so that he could kill it. And then he said the rat ran out, and he, you know, hit it and killed it, just like hit it once and killed it with his baseball bat. And then he realized that, very young Mary Kay was like standing on the bed and that he might have traumatized her and he was like are you okay and I was like you bopped him on the head daddy you just bopped him right on the head like little bunny foo-foo yeah yeah I told my mom yeah I told my mom I was like do you remember that because I don't remember it right like I was a little kid I was like maybe two I don't remember it at all I told my mom that she goes he is so full of shit he never did that that never happened and I was like sounds like some dad stories though right she's like he was always trying to kill things with baseball bats and that never happened i don't know what (laughs) it just whenever he was like whenever abraham was like i'm sorry whenever gabe saw the family and he was like give me the bat and he went outside and he was like we can get crazy and just oh childhood i loved it and when the dad is doing whack-a-mole 
That's what I mm-hmm. thought about, too, in this movie, when Adelaide's dad is doing that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm. Yeah. My dad would never have done anything like that. Not... Well, that's probably smart, because you... Sh- I mean, that is going to be very ineffective. <laughs> like- my dad would never play whack-a-mole, either. My dad thinks fun is very different. He likes to, like, play NPR <laughs> while he's, like, working on a car on a Saturday morning. Like, listen yeah, to... Is different. Like, listen to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me while he's, like, changing the oil in a car. <laughs> Your dad is intellectual fun. <laughs> sure, fun. probably like our podcast. Quote, unquote, fun. That's what's... That's yeah. Does your dad listen to the podcast? <laughs> Uh, no, my dad will doesn't. not enjoy this podcast. My dad yeah, sometimes my dad listens either. to my podcast. We've given him some shout outs. Yay, I remember that. He came on there one time. Didn't he leave y'all a message? I He left a little message. He was like, because we said that, you know, if we were in a cult, we'd call my dad. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. On the next episode, you guys, we're doing the invitation. We'll tell you about this at the end, too. But uh, if I was getting in a cult, I would definitely call my dad. Just saying. <laughs> like. I would definitely call him to come get me out. Um, my dad's so a pastor, cool so he names. could like he could like. Oh, your you know. dad can do. My dad and your dad together will have like a whole deprogramming thing. I bet. Yeah, it'd be like the Expendables, but not yeah. awful, right? I don't know Where that movie, like, but well, it's like all the old movie. action, all the old action heroes, right? Oh, okay. so it'd be like, cool. yeah, like if our dads. We're doing it, then it would be like a bunch of dudes who never did anything horrifying very publicly. Not very publicly, anyway. I'm sure our dads have some backstories. Yeah. Maybe they'll start a podcast. That would be I don't want to know them, though. That would be cute if they started a podcast. That would be weird, though. I don't. Ooh, that's a weird. Uh, I'm uncomfortable. New thing. Um, <laughs> okay, you can dish it out, but you can't <laughs> oh. take it. I see how it is. Hey, arrows. I fell on my Freudian sword earlier, okay? Like, I can take it. <laughs> yeah, I know that sounds like what it sounds like, and I've just accepted it. And it sword. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, speaking of other Freudian is slips, that is that what actually, da- is that what Daenerys calls really. Jon Snow's penis? The Freudian sword. Gross. <laughs> I hope so. I kind of hope so. She probably named it something crazy. She has n- crazy names for her dragons, so. Maybe she just calls his sword dragon. Yeah, I mean, yeah penis. So the dragon. <laughs> I mean, maybe she calls his sword penis his penis dragon and his dragon sword. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's going to ride Rhaegal, man. I don't know. I don't know. That's his dad's dragon. Yeah, I, that's Freudian, too. I know. Speaking of names, mm. we have Zora, the little girl. Mm-hmm. And I think that's after Zora Neil Hurston. I would that's imagine. only Zora I know. I would imagine. I hope so. That'd be cool. I, I love the running motif, mm-hmm. both in in Zora and Umbre, which means shadow, mm-hmm. but like celestial shadow, which is dope. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that because I just, I think it's so cool that they all have like inverse motifs too. The death scene, uh, uh, Umbre's death scene, in hindsight, like once we had confirmation of who Adelaide slash Red really is. I was like, oh, that makes sense then. Like, she doesn't actually want a tether to die, per se. Like, she's not... Right. Like, she is taking... She is surviving. She will survive no matter what it takes. And she will keep this identity no matter what it takes. But she doesn't want to hurt the tethered per se. Like, if she has the option... Yeah, like, she can avoid it. Yeah, if this... Like, if she can instead soothe this 
person as they die. That's what she'd rather do. And I was like, uh. And at first I thought I was just like, yeah. At first I thought it was just that maybe like Adelaide was like, a, she's a kind person and being patient, but like, nope. Um, it's that she's like, no, no, brethren, don't worry, we are rising. Okay, okay. Oh, Emily, what were you going to say about the running motif from Zora? Oh, all I wanted to say, I mean, this is a really small point, but I thought it was interesting that the dad tells her at the beginning, like when they first get there, that she should practice running on the beach because she'll she'll be able to run faster because the yeah. beach, the sand has traction. Um, it's way and, harder to run on yeah. sand. And I was just thinking like, man, if she had practiced running on the beach like her dad told her, I bet she could have run a lot faster than her tether because they don't have sand in the underground. That's all. You're right. Moral of the story, daughters, listen to your dads. Dads, listen to your wives. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? True. I think that's the way it goes. Yes, absolutely. Tell us about conspiracy theories. Okay, so did you guys notice that um, Zora was, like, really into conspiracy theories? Yes. Like, I I feel like... now I did. Yeah. I didn't notice it when it was happening. You did? I do. You know, like... The, the whole, like, tunnel thing in the beginning that seemed, like, totally... I kind of wish that that was something that Zora... Like, I understand, like, why they did it in the yeah. beginning. And it totally makes sense as far as, like, setting up the horror. But it also seems like something that this character would have said. Like, did you know that there are, like, a bunch of tunnels? But maybe yeah. that would have been too, like, on the nose. But she I does think that's say, too like, on the nose, yeah. Yeah. But she the does fluoride. say, like, did you know that there's fluoride in the water yeah. that, that the government uses to control our minds? Um, so... I don't know. There's probably other things too. Yeah. Doesn't isn't Adelaide the one who's like that's enough? Yeah. Isn't she the one who's like stop it? Yeah. Yeah, because she knows it's true. Yeah. Probably. Or that things like that. Probably. The government is trying to control us, basically. Yeah. I like the I like their relationship a lot because Adelaide is like indulgent, but they're still, but not too much. Like she's still a mom. Yeah. I feel like a lot of times it's just like there's like too much friendship or too much like authoritative, authoritarian um, discipline. But I liked it in this one. Like when she's like, uh, Zora, give me your phone. And she's like, I don't have it. She's like, give it. And she's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like she knows that she's, that she's, that like, her mom like, knows. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my other favorite lines is from Zora too. And she's like insisting on driving. And she's like, I have the highest kill count. Oh my gosh, that was like, hilarious. It's unsafe for you guys to drive. And she's like, what, 15? Is she supposed to be 15? Yeah. yeah. Okay. About. I don't think they ever clarify yeah. the kids' ages, really. She was funny. No, but I. Yeah, I could see her being, like, not legal to drive by herself, but having a learner's permit and trying to pull rank with something weird. Yeah, and, like, early like, on in the. Broken and it was. I, I got I the can't impression. exactly how the conversation went because. Again, I've only seen this movie once, but they're talking about, like, oh, you can do anything if you set your mind to it. And she's like, well, I set my mind to drive in the car. Yeah. No, I got yeah. the impression <laughs> I got the impression that she was not even yet legally old enough to drive because they shut that down so hard. Like, if she had a permit, then, like, she needs to practice. So they might say, like, yeah, I mean, like, with one of us, or we'll go to a parking lot or something. But the way they shut her down, I was like, oh, she's, like, 14 or 15. Like, she doesn't have Oh, I have thought her. they shut her down because they were being chased and murdered. No, no, they shut her down earlier on. No, no, at with, dinner, when yeah. they're eating the chicken. Yeah, like very early on, oh. in the, she wants to drive, and they're like, no, absolutely not. 
Oh, okay. Okay, I missed that part. Again, we've only seen this movie once. So. Yeah, please yeah. don't hate um, us. So yeah, I think that that um, was. I think that that was. That was the impression I got was that she was still too young to legally drive, and but she just she made the best case. She was right, so she drove. I liked that. I yeah. liked that character that she was like a little bit insufferable, but it was clear it was just because she was fifteen. Like when Jason grabs the the rock formation as a weapon and she like rolls her eyes and then goes upstairs and kicks ass. I yeah. thought that was really... There were a lot of fun but, Okay, so Jason. Yeah, it was... I liked that, too, that it still had some humor in it, even though it was a scary movie. Like, when Gabe is, like, on the bed, and he's just, like... What, trying like, to, like, get... <laughs> and also, I love that yeah. he's shot from the least sexy angle. Like, that is a sexy man. Yes. But they were like, let's go, like, kind of down from the crotch upward so it looks kind of terrifying. And he's just, and he's so big. Yeah, yeah the guy's like 6'5". And he's just, like, sprawled yeah. across this, like, maybe double bed. Tiny, well, I, tiny bed. I read in an bed. interview that he took a lot from this character, or he created this character and took a lot from, like, Homer Simpson. <laughs> he reminded me so much of Heathcliff Huxtable, though. And I don't, I don't know. I I think it's maybe because he had the Howard shirt on mm-hmm. a lot, yeah. but definitely younger. Well, also, I mean, I that, that dynamic of him being like kind of dorky, like clearly they're doing well. Like they have this beautiful home, like, yeah, they're clearly, financially, they're doing quite well. Um, but when he goes to buy a boat, he buys like the shittiest boat of all time. And like, <laughs> right? <laughs> there's still some frugality. There, like, there's some sense of like. And I love that they like joke about the boat, even like when they're being attacked. He's like, "Y'all can have the boat," and his daughter's like, "Nobody wants that boat, Dad." Yeah. Well, also, yeah. Like, you know, joking about it the reminded boat. me. It reminded me a little bit of like, uh, and Mary Kay's gonna hate this because she hasn't seen this happen yet. But um, Ash in Evil Dead Two onwards. That kind of like ability. I don't care. I'm never going to watch that movie. You're not going to kill it for me. No, I'm not killing it. I just mean that like there's no killing it. Like you haven't seen this very wonderful, charming thing, and like I can't. Like you're not going oh, to. I see. You okay. won't watch it. So like I, I it's a. It's okay. Wasted, I've seen it. I know what you're talking it's about. It's a waste of reference. But the whole like boats are dead. When I'm I'm done with boats. Like that kind of like ability that like while you were like hobbling on a baseball bat to try yeah, and murder your evil doppelganger, you're still being. Like, charming and flip, because that is how you can fucking handle this shit. Like, there's this kind of switch for him from, like, like he's, like, he's, first he's, like, kind of, you know, dorky, chill dad, and then he gets scared. He gets seriously scared. And when the chips land completely, and he's like, great, now I have to murder people to keep my family safe. He doesn't just murder people. Right. He murders, he's right. He has the highest kill count. And he did it hilariously. He was funny while I he thought did he it. only got he doesn't ultimately have abraham he doesn't ultimately have the highest kill count he has the highest kill count when they have the argument about it in the car and he's right he killed his own doppel and then he oh, his own okay. his own tethered and then he killed uh what's his oh, face and then, yeah 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 brian brian thank you got i don't it. even know if his name was brian it's just such a generic name i figured it was mm-hmm. a good shot yep that sounds good works for me yeah yeah so good. when they have the argument in the car because uh zora thinks she killed both twin tethered and she's wrong gabe is right yeah. he has the highest kill count well lupita also killed two and then no she had no just the one. Oh no just one you're right you're right right my bad also i keep calling her lupita even though her name is adelaide because i like the name lupita better than adelaide um it's french isn't it adelaide adelaide yeah 
I was like, Lupita doesn't seem like it, but maybe. I don't know. No, Lupita is a Hispanic name. Mm. That's why it's easier for me to say, I think. Um, what about, okay. the, what about Little Man? It's also the capital of South Australia. Oh, yeah. Fascinating. Down Under. Down Under. Just saying. Uh-oh. And can we please talk about Jason? The baby one yes. with his mask? Because... I have so many things to say. I, I love him... And his name is great because, well, Emily, you thought of something different than I did. Well, you say your thing first, and then I'll say my thing. Okay, I thought of Jason and the Argonauts, Mm. like our uh, Greek hero, but yours makes a lot more sense. Well, I just thought, you know, there are a lot of horror movie references in this, like probably way more than I even noticed because, again, only seen it once. I don't know how many times we're going to say that. Let's don't drink every time we remind you that we've only seen it once. (laughs) Or do. Um, I don't know your life. Or do. do, well. You know. (laughs) Take care of yourself, you know. Um, But obviously, Jason in horror movies should make you think of Friday the 13th. And then I was like, well, what does Jason in Friday the 13th do? And it's like, well, you know, so in the first Friday the 13th movie, Jason's mother is the killer. And then at the end of that movie, Jason comes back, like, rises from the dead, basically, to, like, seek revenge for what was done to his mother. Um, And then that's kind of, like, what drives him for all the other Friday the 13th movies is this drive to, like, get revenge for, like, these campers that killed his mom. So then I was like, ooh, what does that mean about this Jason character? Yeah, that works way better than than, than the Argonauts who he manipulates his girlfriend to be a winner. Yours is your thing. Let's do your (laughs) thing. Your thing is way better. Um, Well, and also he's wearing a mask, which is very Jason-y. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry. A werewolf ahead. mask, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I thought the werewolf thought mask the werewolf was... was a a nod to his mom's thriller shirt. I thought it was a nod to Thirty Rock werewolf <laughs> bar mitzvah. Bar mitzvah. Spooky, Spooky, scary. scary. Um, Boys well, I becoming think, like, men, men becoming wolves. And this is something you wrote too, uh, Mary Kay. But I think like definitely a lot of there's a lot of connections between Jason and Adelaide. Like more connections between them than the other characters and like even I thought so too like one of the things that connects them is they're both kind of considered to be weird or off and like they even mention at the beginning of the movie they mention that Jason hasn't been the same since his grandmother died last year um and that like he's saying weird things and like he's when they're on the beach building sandcastles he's like building a tunnel or, like, not building sandcastles, but it looks like he's building a sandcastle, and then the twins ask, like, what are you doing? And he says, I'm building a tunnel, which kind of, uh, again, like, it's it's a tunnel, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I was wondering about him, because he does seem... Like, the twins are like, your brother's so weird. Yeah. And then Zora's like, no, he just can't focus. And I just yeah. kind of wondered what, you, what y'all made of that. I was going to say, part of that to me was just the setting the families apart. Okay. She could have made some effort to connect with the girls or some effort to impress them. And rather, she doubled down on, like, no, I'm, I'm sticking with my brother. But that, that's mm-hmm. what stood out to me at the time. That's, that's relatively early in the movie. If, if I saw it again, I might feel totally differently. Well, I mean, like, I was definitely drawn to the sibling relationship here. I think 
We don't see a ton of their interaction, but the very little that we do get tells us a whole lot about how they work. And, like, even though, yeah, you know, obviously he gets on her nerves, like, they work as a team when it counts. And, it on, like, it made me miss my brother. I you know that sounds weird to say, but I was like, man, I, like, miss having my, like, little teammate, you know? Um, yeah. And, like, that came through for me, just, like, in the small amount of interactions they had. I was like, their relationship's feels like very like it felt like a lived in sibling relationship yeah you know um where like so much like so much was going on beyond like what we saw on the screen and so that was really cool um this is a really good place i think to bring up this internet theory that um we can link to the youtube video about it um but and there are a couple of youtube videos about it but i'll link to like the first one i found before i like went and looked up more information okay. about it but some people think that um all of this stuff about jason being weird um kind of points to the fact that like maybe he was also tethered like his mom and that he was switched um the year before when they say like oh he hasn't been the same like since the grandmother died that really like he hasn't been the same because he got switched out last year and they even say like at one point that he he like disappeared for a few hours and nobody could find him um so i don't know what do you guys think about that as a theory his relationship to his tethered is really unusual everyone else their tethered goes pretty straight to maiming and torture yeah and his wants to i made me wonder if age has something to do with it yeah especially i mean you know that was like, my initial thought too is like maybe when you're younger you're more connected to your tethered than as you get older or rather you haven't had the time to develop the resentment yeah maybe that too like you haven't come to understand what you're missing fully um yeah. but then you know based on the way red slash adelaide's tethered up topsider meeting goes the first time maybe not but yeah his tethered seemed to want to play with him well if by play you mean set him on fire I wasn't clear on that. In the closet, it he really... He set himself on fire. In the closet, yeah. when they first meet. He wanted to be the the one that was the top side. So when he struck the match, he wanted the lighter to work, too. Mm. And it's the same sort of when um, Pluto, or when Jason holds his arms out and walks backward into the fire later. Pluto is still more tethered than the others, because he copies him. He mirrors him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if that's an age thing or... And, okay, so when the girls are calling him weird and when Zora says that he just can't focus very well and he's also so very quiet and he can't... He likes repetition and he... Um, the beat doesn't make sense to him. But he's very intuitive. It made me wonder if we were looking at a twice gifted kid where he had like, where he was like very, very small. I mean, he's obviously the most intuitive of these characters. Like, he's the one who says, he just like in conversation is like, so how many more of us are there? Yeah. Yeah. And, also, and that's what like, makes them when, turn on the TV. When the family shows up in the first place everyone else is just like freaking out and he's immediately like let me explain what's happened like he's like they're us that's what like he's the one that explains it right yeah yeah and his, so his emotions are more subdued than the other characters which works in his favor yeah. until uh because red he, snatches him well it works in his favor because like when it comes down to it and he has to face off with his 
um, Tether, he logically is like, wait, I, I can do this in a like sort of nonviolent way. I mean, it's violent still, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have to have to attack. But he, he doesn't just, have to. Right. right. Yeah. I also liked how uh, Jason's motif is tricks, and Pluto, his like inverse version, is fire. Is is Her. well, it's fire, and he's a dog. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he, oh, he yeah, runs on sense. on all fours. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and all his dog, all um, his movements are like she pets him on the head. All of his like sounds are very dog like. Yeah. Right, and so he has a very strange bond with his mother as well, which is really cool. Um, and I want to tell you guys another uh, story. Tell us. About how tell us about I it. spooked my unspookable boyfriend. Um, you guys might remember that I crawled into the kitchen to scare him once before. And this time... I'd, y'all, I'd just be brainstorming ways of scaring him that won't end with me dead. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I really do. Because it's one of my, it's so delightful when, you know, when you, it's a real get when you scare someone who is like, doesn't get scared. So I always have to go unsettling. And I recalled my little cousin doing this monkey walk, like on all fours that used to scare the shit out of his sister. And so... I did that, (laughs) and he was like, that's really creepy. Why are you good at that? And I was like, well, I've been practicing since I was a child. (laughs) And then you have to do, like, that screech, too, you know, that monkeys do. No, please do it. I don't know what you're talking (laughs) about. Do it now. It'll break the internet. Good. (laughs) You can't do it on command. This is the most (laughs) you have ever disappointed me in your entire life, ever. And... Anyway. In my entire life, too. And that's the important life, as far as I'm concerned. And now I just, like, I'm spiraling. I'm just, I need to pee. I need wine. You didn't screech. Like, what is happening? I don't even know what's going on anymore. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I laughed so hard I had to turn away like I was Whitney with a microphone. <laughs> But yeah, I did that and then started running at him on all fours. And he was like, what the What is wrong? I said, I have to pee. And you went, like, like I wasn't going to immediately pee all over my brother's kitchen. Thank you. Oh, my God. I have to get ready for it. I have to get the character to do that. (laughs) What is the character and can her name be Persephone? Yes. Yes. Um, Like married to Pluto because that's the character's name and he is the god of the underworld. Which I loved. Thought that was really nice. I did a good um, job. Um, what I thought would be cute is if we write a sitcom about Pluto and Persephone. Like we're all grown up, yes. except that it's terrifying. Like it's marketed like a sitcom, yeah, like an Adams Family thing. But it, yeah, it's marketed. No, no, it's marketed like a sitcom, but it is a Jordan Peele movie. <laughs> so you tune in, you're like, oh no, <laughs> and it's like Pluto, like running around barking, and Persephone <laughs> shrieking like a monkey, and. Only bad things happen. Like, they just like eat raw rabbits, and you're like, "What have I been doing for the last 22 minutes?" I can write oh a spec gosh. script for that if you would like, Mr. Peel. We can tag you. Well, you know, he apparently he has his next two movies already planned out, so you might have to wait a little while. <laughs> so, <laughs> the Taylor family, the White family. Yeah, that's what, like that's what I him? just thought of them as is like the White family because I couldn't remember any of their names. Fuck Elizabeth the- Moss, hey. 
she, she can't be bad at things, right? No, she's mm-hmm. amazing. I love like, her. It is a straight up treat. It is like delicious. It is savory to get to see her and Lapita having an awkward Any interaction. But also really awkward together. Like just terribly awkward together. Yeah. Like, yeah. like they're supposed to be friends because their husbands work together or something, but they also are like really bad at it. Yeah. Well, I thought they were friends in childhood. I don't think so, because, like, she's trying to make small talk with her, and then she's like, I don't really like making small talk, and, you know... Yeah, it seems uh, like they didn't know each other. Elizabeth Moss asks, like, she doesn't know that, so it seems like they're not super close, because it seems like if they were close, the Elizabeth Moss character would know, like, uh, she's not really... Yeah, yeah, I I got the same impression that the dads were kind of friends, and, yeah. Yeah. They're kind of friends, right? Yeah, kind of friends. Right. Yeah, yeah. I also loved their twins because I thought they were going to be oh my God. this. It was such a great red herring because we saw the mm-hmm. twins in the beginning and I was like, oh, that's going to come back. And it doesn't. Like, they no. both have tethered as well. Mm-hmm. And they just die. I thought die. that was really cool. They die yeah. so also, fast. The and shot- when they do stuff in tandem, oh, my God, so freaky. Love the it. Shot, the shot of them um, in the hallway looks like the shot from The Shining yeah. of the, the Grady sisters. Yeah, Ooh. we have a lot of horror movie motifs here, like or so not even motifs, but like homages. Yeah, like yes. we already talked about a bunch of them, but we have Jaws mm-hmm. on his T-shirt. Mm-hmm. We talked about Thriller. Mm-hmm. The Shining, The Shining crops up a lot, and that was one of the movies that they all had to watch for homework. Um, uh, what else? Oh, like I said, the bird. I mentioned the birds, like. The, the idea of, yeah. like, the natural order. And then order. you have the flight of the birds landing on the beach, too. Mm-hmm. The flock, like the, I mean. Yeah, so, like, the, the natural order inverting, mm-hmm. and then, like, this one woman kind of, like, trying to hold it together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, very much. And very I much that really I don't... I really liked how... Yeah, there's a bunch more that I didn't notice. and But I did notice the um, placement of the Alvin Ailey posters mm-hmm. in the stairwell when they were I going downstairs. I didn't catch that, but the, a lot of other people mention that yeah. after the fact so i just gotta go see this movie again um listeners if you guys don't know alvin ailey is a historically black dance troupe out of i think new york but alvin ailey himself was from the south um but yeah they're amazing and uh i just like that the that there it was like if you knew about it you were gonna find something i liked how the 1980s funhouse mirror Fun House of Mirrors was Native American themed, and then the mm-hmm. 2010s they rebranded it as Merlin's Forest. Jordan Peele, you get me. Thank you. Also, for you not know about him playing that's, into that fucking trope. Yeah, you know that's his voice in the Fun House. I thought so. I thought during, it was him. Yeah, during the narration. Yeah, that's him. The uh, the Hands Across America thing uh, slayed me yeah. in part because um, so as I. I'm watching the end of this movie and I'm seeing like them all lined up and I was like, what does this accomplish though? Like what, what is, you said you wanted to send a message that couldn't be missed. Yes, we get it. You're there. But then what do you want? What happens next? And then I was like, actually that was kind of the thing with hands across America, wasn't it? Like, like Reagan got, if the internet had existed, then my God, he would have been excoriated because he already got a bunch of it in the press. Think because- of the memes y'all think of the memes. He was proactively pursuing. Well, this movie is a meme of it. Yeah, proactively pursuing policy positions that um, that made life more difficult for people who were were hungry, who uh, were living in poverty, 
and yet he participated in this this action like he stood there and held the hands but then what he actually went home and did seemed to undermine um the actual mm-hmm. event like if it, it, it was kind of a like better for show than for function thing and I was like, oh, that's kind of the point. That's also, if she was a little girl when that happened, it was a big image. But she didn't understand right. that maybe the takeaway was that a lot of people want to look like they care but are not doing anything. So I was like, ah, hmm. I see how it all, shall we say, links up. Ooh. Like the hand? You should have seen the masterfully like slightly evil way I just sipped my wine as you went ooh it was really good it was like it was very satisfying for me anyway just for me probably but that's I mean that for me was a huge theme of this movie was how much we have to be willing to ignore for the sake of comfort for the sake of believing the the mythology of of a country that says if you work hard you can be anything and that's also like going back to the you know, fun house and how it used to be Native American and then was changed. Like part of that is like erasing that history and saying like, oh yeah, like we didn't do anything to the Native Americans. We were here all along, you know, like it's, it's inconvenient for us to think about the ways in which we've put other people down in order to like literally put other people down in order to get to where we as a country are. Planned ignoring. I didn't even think of it that way, Emily. You're so smart. I almost used that exact word, those exact words in the outline, and then I was like, you know, I think for planned ignoring, it has to be that you, that involves an awareness of the, the, the reaction you don't want. There's a good blend of that here. There is a good combination of, I know what I'm ignoring, and then I don't even, right? Because, like, we know we ignore, we know how much we ignore, on the one hand. Well, like, we might say, like, like, oh, like I, I feel Adelaide, comfortable right? talking to a panhandler on the street, but it can go that much deeper because we're willing to ignore a panhandle on the street. There can be a subterranean race that we don't even know exists. So it's like Adelaide makes herself forget, right? Um, Because in the end, she sort of like suddenly realizes or remembers what she repressed and where she came from. And it's like, it was really convenient for her to forget that because then she could go about her life and believe that she, I I don't want to say deserved what she had, but like... And that's the question. Who deserves what? Right. Who who deserves to be a topsider? Who deserves to be a tethered? And who nobody deserves to be either. Who you know? deserves who deserves to decide? Yeah. Who got to make those decisions? Like she says they did this to us. And I I made the leap to government experiment, sure, but I was like, is it like she, all she ever says is they? I don't know who else would have the resources, but who the fuck did this? And where are they? Did their tethereds come murder them too? Because that seems important. Did they make their own tethered? Because if they didn't make their own tethered, then somewhere there's like a yacht full of white dudes that are like, ha ha, we did it and toasting each other while everyone else is like choking on scissors. Well, obviously they're not because they just left them there. So I don't know. Also, scissors are an inconvenient weapon. Guys, guys, <laughs> guys. It's Y'all symbolic, have like though. almost... It's, sim- s- it's symbolic. Of course it is. Just like... You can carry them for symbolism, but then also, like, use a meaningful weapon. You have, like, superhuman strength and speed, basically. I know you don't speak to each other. I just picture Mary's tethered, like, at the beginning of a combat video game, like, switching weight back and forth and being like, do I want this thing? 
or do I want this thing? You know, like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about? Where they're, like, half dancing, shifting their weight foot mm-hmm. to foot. Girl, I yeah. do. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I just feel like any any um, tethered of mine would do a wield, obviously. Because whenever I play a video game, I am so bad at the combat that I just do a wield and just scream and, like, mash buttons until <laughs> I kill something. <laughs> so... I feel like my tethered would either... I always liked the girl with the hair from Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Always. I, I, I feel like my tethered would either do that, like do exactly what I do, but in real life, which would be terrifying, or my tethered would be like, no, I use one weapon well because I'm not a fucking dumbass, you piece of shit, and just slice me one good time and I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's more efficient, and die. So my doppel, I think, uh, or my, my uh, I'm sorry, my tethered... Uh, would have a motif of um, I think of myself as this kind of like dual already internally person that, that who who's in so many ways like a very organized or orderly or like methodically minded person who is also really chaotic. So I think my doppel would be one or the other, and I think because I already think of the chaos as my shadow self in so many ways because so much of it comes from like my brain not you know being all lined up. I think my inverse would be real chaos. Like, would give me a sense of what that were really like. Like, if a person were that. Not not a mental illness, not a little bit of that seeping through. But if a person had no... No orderliness. No methodical thinking. Nothing. Like, the thing that scares me about myself. Well, what would that look like? Well, me, I would imagine, for starters. Um, but then, like, physically, obviously. Um, I mean that, that it was, she would be unpredictable because there would be no right, that there wouldn't be reason. Like, it's not like I could outthink her or outsmart her or, like, stay a step ahead of her. Because there's no planning. There's no nothing. Everything is so impulsive. The thing that I think I count on, the thing that, that has kept me okay for so long, my brain. There's no brain to it. There's not even any feeling to it. It's pure chaos. Um, so, what about you? What about you? I think mine is a climber. Yeah, I think mine is a, a climber that, like, in your house can be, like, in a corner of your ceiling. And, like, doesn't wear shoes. But, like, can just climb any face in a really scary way. And be, like, almost gravity inverted. Why yeah, would that be your motif? Really why would that be? I mean, that would be scary. But, like, why would that be you specifically? Are you not able to climb things? Uh, no, I mean, I can. I just don't. Um, and I feel like I also am pretty, like, organized as a person. And am, I like manners and etiquette. And that would just kind of devolve, like, get rid of all of them. I mean, why is the, the tricks inverse setting things on fire? No, because like it's, I feel... It's adjacent. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like the chaotic version of the thing to me. Like... Right. A trick is yeah. meant to be controlled and have a specific outcome. And the fire is, like, fun, except that the thing is in control, not you. Yeah, and I think that's why I picked climbing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that would like, be disturbing as in shit. weird places. Like, it's a parkour Mary Kay. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's not Mary Kay. Mary Kay's feet live on the ground. That's you damn right they do. My, anyway, my okay, uh, so this was a fun question. <laughs> my cloven hooves belong on ships. <laughs> I'm like a ship satyr. So, yeah, whatever the opposite is of that, everybody. That's my thing, I think. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm, up next on of, Everything Trying to Kill aquatic You. Aquatic Satyr. 
<laughs> we have Megan's pick, The Invitation. If you haven't watched that movie yet, you can stream it on Netflix. It's very culty and fun. And Megan will be back with us for that episode. So we hope you'll come back for that. Please. And as always, thank you so, so much for listening. Thank you, Emily, for being our guest. Thank you. And we hope you enjoyed us. <laughs> if you did, <laughs> do us a favor. Write us but, an um, iTunes review. But they seriously help so much. And tell all your friends that we're smart and pretty. Okay, bye. Bye. Love you. Bye.